0: sizzle okay so it's time for the sizzle i want you to screw in your earphones really tight i want you to turn up the volume just a bit and i want you to get ready to sizzle with tizzles okay here we go Mm. so today is the first full episode of the sizzle and i'm so excited to share it with you i'm joined with kelly brooks who you can find at Kelly Brooks Yoga, and she's one of my yoga teachers. Um, Shout out Carvel, who's my other one. And we go into detail around her journey into yoga from a big law firm, uh, making some real-life changes. Uh, We talk about striking the balance between getting as many people involved in something that's good and diluting the essence of what makes it good we think about the wellness industry. We talk about representation within the wellness industry. We think about things that people can do to get started. You know, like what are the first steps to get started? And the conversation is one that I'm really hoping people will listen to, have opinions on, and can get in touch. You know, especially when we're talking about the wellness industry, it's it's such a big one. When we're talking about representation, it's such a an interesting and Important topic. I really want to hear people that you think I should talk to. So you can tweet me at JGE Taylor, that's JGE Taylor, and you can also email me at sizzle at dot So all of those details are obviously in the episode notes. The other thing that I want to just flag really quickly before we jump into it is that actually. I've undernawed quite a lot about the release of this episode as is because what I've noticed is when I recorded the episode with Kelly, um, the sound quality was fine. But I've subsequently been recording the intros and and the outros and and adding in the music. And actually, uh, as as I should have predicted, you know, they're a different volume to the main recording. And so I was like, huh, it's not quite exactly how I want it. I haven't really been able to figure out how to normalise, I think that's a technical term, the volume across segments. And I suppose for me, actually, that is part of the journey, putting out something which is not quite perfect and trusting in the community to let me know how much of an issue it is and you know for future for future episodes i'm going to be using a different process for the recording and for the ones that are already recorded i'm going to look into whether or not it would make sense to get someone else to normalize it so you know you'll you'll hear the results of that and i'll, and I'll let you know what's going on with it but i suppose for this episode i just want to um, be open with you about my thought process and to acknowledge that I am aware of the discrepancy and also to assure you that I'm not going to make a habit of it, you know? Um, And I think that that is something that's tricky for me. And hey, that could be an episode in and of itself in the future. But now, I just want you to get ready because we are going to do this. So, yeah, I'm with Kelly, Kelly Brooks. Kelly Brooks yoga um, who is my yoga teacher and I, I suppose this conversation for me is to explore yoga a bit more um, I'm going to be coming at it with a psychological lens just because that's the lens that I bring everywhere so I suppose there's that disclaimer and also personally to kind of describe how I'm coming at the conversation I find yoga really useful and for a variety of reasons so I'll kind of caveat this whole conversation with that but I suppose it'd be nice just to get a sense of who you are and what you think yoga is and then we can kind of get into your journey a bit more in terms of how you found yoga.
1: Yeah Fab thanks so much for having me. KB! (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah I find um I find yoga Fascinating because I think I was probably the least yogic person ever. Not that I really know what yogic person um, means, but in terms of if you'd said to me seven or eight years ago, "Oh, you'll be a yoga teacher um, and that will be your your full-time job and life," I would have um, I would have not believed it one bit. Um, so I worked um, in a law firm in business services and um, strategy and ran their cycling club so Mm -hmm. we would kind of put on 100k's, be part of Night Rider, be part of um, Ride 100 Um, and doing that repetitive cycling I ended up with a bit of a knee injury and my friends that I worked with said oh go downstairs we were lucky enough to have a gym and free services and there was a yoga teacher there. He was an Iyengar teacher. Didn't have a clue what Iyengar was. I'd say every class, "Oh, my friends say what style of yoga am I doing?" And by the time I'd get from downstairs up thirteen floors, I would have forgotten mm. what Iyengar was. I'd be like, "Oh damn it, I've forgotten again. I'll have to ask him in two days' time." <laughs> um, and it was just really amazing. Firstly, it cured my my sore knee, but secondly, um, it was just my my mind, my mentalness the the kind of stillness that I got that I didn't know was stillness until kind of now that I'm a yoga teacher, I understand. But right. kind of that daily chatter, I just was like, I don't know what this yoga thing was, but it feels amazing. And I kept going back for more and more. And then the drinking and that kind of city lifestyle of boozing every day, drinks trolley at 4pm on a Friday. It was kind of like, oh, I'm going to do my yoga practice and then maybe I'll have a drink in a few hours time rather than starting at 4 o'clock mm-hmm. and going on until Sunday night.
0: <laughs> I feel like there are so many different routes into yoga right now. It's everywhere. You know, I'm seeing, like, yoga... Basically, any other discipline and yoga have been fused yeah. know, in kind of an a interesting well-being cocktail. And I feel like, as a result, people might be coming into yoga from different places with different uh, histories and experiences, so what is, can we get like a short definition of what is yoga?
1: I feel like yoga is the connection that you have to you, so I think especially in this modern lifestyle, for you and I, because we live in London, especially living in London, you're kind of rushing around, and you've got 20 things happening, your smartphones are going ballistic, Mm. I feel like we're so disconnected. And I think yoga is suddenly that connection to yourself. So whether you come into it doing a half boxing class, half yoga, and suddenly you take an inhale and an exhale and you're like, oh my God, I'm tired today, or oh, I feel energised. It, it, it's just that moment of realisation of where we are. Mm.
0: I love that. So I suppose for me, I only in the last year have really understood that there might be different branches of yoga that kind of make up this, this yogic whole. And before that, I always associated it with a physical practice, like some kind of physical activity. Yeah. Um, and similar to you, I would be doing yoga, inverted commas, and people be like, oh, what kind of style? And I'd be like, I, you know, like, vinyasari, hathari-type thing. Um, so many words. And what, I suppose why do you think there are so many different styles of the physical practice
1: well coming from my um my original yoga teacher he said that anything that is has a name to it um isn't it's just someone trying to make money from it Mm. and i think uh, you know i i'm exactly the same i've got club yoga um and it's not pure yoga but i feel like we need to get people coming in and that's why it's amazing that there's so many routes and then you can also do 25 million podcasts about why it's not pure yoga Mm. but I trust the path and if you think about kind of my path to now becoming a yoga teacher I trusted the yoga practice and I wanted more and I inquired more so whether you're coming into it from club yoga and you're raving and you know dancing and you're connecting to yourself and going wow, what's this yoga thing about this? is more fun than I thought. Or whether you are coming from it from a meditation point of stillness, I think it's still going to put you on the path if it's the right time in your mm. life that yoga will kind of... Um, you, you will always inquire more and you'll always want to transform and improve.
0: So I suppose in my head I'm kind of curious from your position as a teacher the different ways that you see people using yoga?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I think it's really difficult because Iyengar is such a pure method and it, it really does kind of... It, it's known as the um, meditation in action. That's why you spend more time in the poses. Its alignment really helps to kind of harness the most and the most health benefits of our practice. So it's really difficult to say, oh, if you've been sitting at a desk for seven hours a day and then suddenly you're going into a more physical style of yoga and thinking that it's healing you, maybe there's other methods. But equally, I feel like if you are sitting at a desk and then not doing anything, going home, ordering a burger and eating, um, sitting on a sofa, watching TV for the rest of your evening, I would rather every single person be doing any style of yoga um, so, I think it 's really easy to go. vinyasa is the right style, and Hatha is a wrong, and Yin is right i think I think it can be confusing to people if they 've never done yoga, so I think it, sometimes it kind of makes it less accessible because of the wording um in the yoga studios that you know there 's a whole eclectic mix of yoga, which is fantastic because firstly, it offers more people whether it's kind of anti-desk yoga or whether it's vinyasa flow or power yoga, maybe one of those words associate to you and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this one because I, I affiliate myself with the word power or mm. strength. Um, but I think we are moving further and further away from what I consider is kind of the true yoga, which is the eight limbs of yoga and the like potentially sutras, which... Is where kind of the baseline? How do you treat yourself? How do you treat other people before you even step on the mat? So I think we're moving further and further away from maybe the true essence, and we might have had a yoga practice of power yoga for a year before we even know that there's like eight limbs to yoga, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm. And I feel like there's a, it might be a paradox. I don't know, but the idea that in order to get someone a kind of a drop of this useful yoga, there might be a, a kind of increasing niche, nicheification. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, <laughs> sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah, an increased nicheification um, of yoga in terms of, you know, okay, we're going to try and allow people to access it in the most convenient way. So, anti desk yoga, I sit at the desk, maybe this yeah. will be good for me, but you're only getting a kind of a portion of the potential benefits. Yep. Do you feel like there's a co- like a conflict there or a tension?
1: I think definitely I've, at some point of my life, felt a little bit conflicted, kind of, I anger is the right way, why don't people want to stand in silence with loads of props and understand their limitations and mm. their bodies? But equally, I've now come round to the view that I could spend my whole life Saying what's right and what's wrong in the yoga world, but essentially everyone is just trying to do the best that they can in the teacher's knowledge. Okay. Um, I think for me, if I can just kind of educate people that having one yoga teacher that you uh, maybe is a bit older than you who has kind of has had injuries or can kind mm. of help you through your um, your body, and all of us have something going on, kind of a story in our body um, of how we've got to this point, whether it's been sitting at a desk for 10 years or whether it's a ski accident or, you know, for me I've had a couple of small car accidents, but it's kind of made up how my body is now because our muscles will always have a memory. So we can never go, well, now that never happened because we're over our injury. It's mm-hmm. like the muscles will always remember that that happened even if we kind of forget that fall off our bike when we were 10 years old or whatever mm,
0: i've definitely had a smackdown from my other yoga teacher when i was being a bit snobby uh, about some people in the class i was like, oh you know they're only here for this you know the, the physical side or you know whatever and, and she was like well that's that's where they're at right now
1: yeah 100
0: percent. and i think it, it, since then i've kind of um been practicing more as a psychologist and actually there is a, an aspect of meeting somebody where they are at and what they are ready for and planting seeds and you yeah. know you might you might never ever see the blossoming of that seed you planted in that you know vinyasa flow session two years ago or whatever it is but it, it is it is still useful um i suppose it makes me think though a bit about Some of the conversations I've had with people from Asian backgrounds have talked about this kind of feeling that there might be some appropriation. But I suppose also when I think about it in the way that we've just been talking about it, that there seems to be almost like I don't use the medicalisation, but like it's almost like prescriptive. Like actually we have this this philosophy or discipline at our disposal and we're trying to we're trying to meet people where they are at and and I and I feel like I feel like those two things are not conflicting but I suppose I wonder what your take is in terms of you know the the wellness and and fit, fitness uh sectors and you know the the fine line between using tools and also uh borrowing tools I don't
1: know if I've made any sense there. Yeah, no, 100%. I, what I struggle with is often I, I have yoga teacher friends who are like, oh, I can't practice yoga because I'm injured. And for me, with the Iyengar system, there is restorative yoga, there is yoga for migraines, there is a system, if you have a bad stomach, or for females throughout the whole of our hormone sequence. Um, there's there's different things that we should be doing at different types of time of the month so it never never any point and I have had injuries just as much as anyone else but I've always had a practice or a pose that I can go to to help me even if it's literally bandage over my head and lying on a bolster to get Mm. over a migraine but it's always worked and I think Physios and Pilates is so well aligned and physios are happy to say to someone, go to Pilates to help your, I think a lot of it that I've heard is kind of lower back pain is because the Pilates system and the training is so regimented that if you went to a Pilates teacher in the US versus a Pilates teacher in the countryside or a London-based Pilates teacher, you're going to get the same kind of system. Mm -hmm. And I think the difficulty for the medical world, even though everything from kind of the ancient meditation and science is now kind of aligning and using, um, is it more... MRI scans you probably know better than me Um, you know you can actually physically see Mm. what's happening in the brain when people meditate even though that is happening I think there is such a range of yoga teacher it's really difficult because say you had just come out of an operation probably ashtanga or a strong vinyasa flow is not going to be right for you Mm. however for someone who is maybe dealing with Nervousness and anxiety, maybe that constant moving is going to help them rather than stillness and staying in one pose for 10 minutes. So, I think yoga is such an amazing form to heal absolutely anything going on in your life for any age. But I think it's finding the right teacher. And for me, I feel like if I can be a good yoga teacher, like you were saying about your yoga teacher saying that that student wasn't at that point yet. Mm. I think for me to become a good teacher is to see the students and know what level to be teaching at. So, Mm. you know, if I went into a class, I, I have quite a lot of corporate clients, which I love because I can... Kind of relate to the person who is on their iPhone, maybe yeah. checking in an email mid class, which was me hundred percent or leaving before Shavasana, because I was like, "Oh great, line down but i 'll miss this <laughs> yeah, like that literally to miss this. yeah, <laughs> and like that was literally me, and now Shavasana is the most important pose for me, so I am not going to judge anyone at any point because I kind of laugh and be like that 's exactly where I am, and for me, as a yoga teacher, if I went in doing half an hour of breathing ex- exercises, 15 minutes of Shavasana and loads of chanting, probably the people of my first corporate class are never going to come back. Mm. So I think it really is kind of tailoring what language are you using, what, what props are you using, what, what poses are you using to kind of really help the student to love and kind of see how beneficial it can be for them.
0: Mm. There's a real so you you, you sparked in my head this study which is is I'm struggling to actually name but it was using fmri scanning and different types of meditation and what they saw which was really interesting is so if you're doing meditation which involves focusing on a specific point so the breath mm-hmm. or, or maybe a, a visual cue um you know perhaps not uh crazily you would see an increase in kind of activation in the areas which would encourage focus. So there's an increased focus afterwards. And if you were, for example, doing something like maybe a body scan or um, trying to expand your awareness to, to focus on everything in the room and all of the sensations and sensory input, that didn't lead to an increase in focus, but did lead to an increase in creativity. Yeah, I
1: thought you were about to say that. That's amazing. And what I
0: find really interesting about that is well, that's really cool, firstly. Secondly, okay, the more, and you kind of said it, the more we learn, or the more there's this alignment with kind of um, ancient practices and and new science, the more we understand. But then I, I almost feel like I'm torn because I see us going in a direction where it's like, okay, well, if you do this specific sequence of breathing exercises, then you will receive this specific benefit, and it's quite prescribed. Um... And I don't, obviously, that part of me is that like, that's a really good thing, you know, using, using specific things to ha- have specific effects. But then I also, I'm really aware of a colleague of mine who did research into mindfulness. So this research was really interesting to me because she, she looked at kind of lots of different papers um, looking into mindfulness. And she was like, why is it that mindfulness is anecdotally so powerful, and then when we look at it a larger scale or meta-analysis, actually the effect size is really quite small and, and that doesn't seem to batch up. And she was wondering whether part of it was as you scale it up and roll it out, you lose some of the essence which is important. So, for example, the Buddhist philosophy uh, around self-love and compassion is very different from the kind of wording that is used in mindfulness around non-judgment. So, like, in in rolling it out and making it available to people, you might be losing some of the essence, which makes it so effective. So coming back to this kind of prescribed sequences for prescribed effects, I suppose, I wonder what you think about the balance between trying to get across the the useful essence and also trying to achieve specific outcomes for people.
1: Yeah. I'm biting my lip. (laughs) I really, really try very hard to be positive about everything that happens in the yoga world and things like Instagram and social media are amazing now for making it more accessible and less accessible Mm. in terms of you can hashtag yoga and see millions and billions of posts and you can also hashtag yoga and see really unachievable yoga poses that are beautiful and the normal um body might never even achieve Mm. um and i think this also comes it's the same as with this kind of prescription i've seen lots of people be like here's an amazing sequence on youtube for for let's uh, for menstruation because there's so many things that you can't do and yeah i I kind of am like no (laughs) These aren't poses you should be doing when you're menstruating. Um, and it's difficult because we need to earn money. Things like teacher trainings, people pay a lot of money to do these monthly trainings. Yeah. I kind of think um, the ienga system, you have to do three to six years self-practice with a teacher. So um, I'm, I'm just about to kind of go to my exams as an Iyengar teacher, mm. there's no guarantee that I'm going to pass. Um, you definitely, That's definitely good. fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't Whereas, um, when I did my vinyasa flow training in India, it was kind of, you pay the money, you attend for a month, you get a certificate. Mm-hmm. There's no kind of criteria to fail um, as long as you kind of stay for four weeks. Um, you're going to get a certificate and then you can go on and teach bodies, you know? Um, and so yeah, in the Iyengar system, it comes still from the Iyengar centre in Pune, where his daughter and um, son and grandchildren um, run the centre. And it's really strict. So my original Iyengar teacher had to sign off to my current teacher that I had been with him for four years, this many times a week, and what we covered. Um, and then my current teacher had to go yep your body is responding so it's less about kind of ego and Kelly is a great student it's more like my body is responding mm-hmm. to the practice I can see that her brain and body are ready to learn the Iyengar is a, uh, from a teacher's point of view rather than a practitioner and then you spend you know you have an introductory set of sequences and you kind of learn, live and breathe them. So I've been doing that for three years now, Mm. along with kind of assisting my teachers and you have to practice with your teacher. So you can imagine like, by the time you have passed as an Iyengar teacher, I've done a minimum of, let's say six years, it's actually more like seven, eight. But you know, if you go to an Iyengar teacher, it's pretty much like a, a, a doctorate not yes. as amazing as um, the medical doctors, but you really do understand the poses. The, um, you understand many ways of using the props in a certain way. Um, and I see so many pictures of Instagram where someone's just been like thrown a prop and they're like, here's an adjustment. And you're like, it's in the wrong place. And so I <laughs> can see, you know, they, they're not props just because we're not good enough the props are making the body respond and the body and the muscles learn rather than like, oh, I can't touch the floor because I'm a beginner, so here's a prop to put your hand Mm. on. So uh, for me, I just think I've got to teach with the knowledge that I know um, the best that I can be. And I don't have time to look at what other people are doing and try and make right all of the things that I think maybe are wrong, and I think every industry has um, good and bad.
0: Yeah, I hear that. I suppose, yeah, you, you can only focus on doing the best yourself. You you made me think of something when you were talking about Instagram and, like, seeing mm. certain types of images, potentially unrealistic. Like, you, that was really powerful for me. Your body may never be able to do this. That's, that's so true. Um, and I suppose it makes me think about... Um, So I've been geeking out on this psychologist, sociologist recently called Michael Ungar, and he talks about cultural resilience, and he talks about something called cultural moderation, which is that for certain people, um, resources or processes that lead to well-being might be less or more difficult to access. And I am aware of a few yoga teachers out there who are specifically trying to allow or facilitate people from communities that wouldn't normally access yoga to get into yoga. And I I wonder what you think can be done by yoga teachers to kind of help encourage um, as many people to access it as possible. But specifically people who might, you know, look at Instagram and be like, huh, yoga isn't for people like me. Yeah.
1: Well, I think this is the amazing thing about Instagram now is you have a multitude of um, shapes of bodies doing yoga, you have so many more. I mean, I know the ancient texts were based on men, but then when um, when yoga came over to the West, um, what I've had a view of um, over the years is women probably do more exercise in classes. Women's bodies are a little bit more supple, maybe. So they, uh, when, when yoga came over to the West, they're more, um, they're like, minds are a bit more open to doing it in a class Mm. um but now there's so many more men doing yoga so I think Instagram is amazing that maybe you would dismiss a couple of yoga pictures but then you if it's the right time for you to find yoga they say like your teacher um appears so for me I try I mean I'm it's really difficult because for yoga teachers like we do want to be able to teach yoga and therefore we do need to make money from it. So it's a really difficult balance between mm. being able to give it freely and also um, live in a city like, like London um, where there are so many people that need it. So for me I, it's a balance. I try and offer affordable yoga. I do free yoga classes and I push so heavily self-practice it's free you do it at home you don't even need a yoga mat um my yoga teacher she always it's quite funny she calls it it's not matting it's yoga you know like ski (laughs) and skiing bicycle cycling mat matting she's like it's yoga we don't need a mat you can do yoga like without having um all of the props and all of the gear you know day to day i just do it in my pajamas um, I'm not head-to-toe in Lululemon, so um, doing it at home, you can roll out of bed in your pyjamas and do yoga for free. Um, and I think things like YouTube and Instagram, it's amazing because I've known so many yoga teachers who got into yoga through seeing it on Instagram. Mm. And being able to, I think the, the, the biggest one is Yoga with Adrian, it's free on
0: YouTube. and I've done that, yeah, I've done that one. Yeah, so many people have. She uses words like like I'm sure she uses words like kinky or like dirty. <laughs> I was a little bit like okay, Adrian
1: <laughs> But that's the thing, it's kind of like if it, it kind of makes you relate to her, um, it makes her seem a little bit more down to earth. So you'll be like, Okay, I can do this I think if if we spend too much time putting so many restrictions or you must only drink green juice and mm. <laughs> like be vegetarian and all of these things may come to you along your jo- your yoga path and they definitely are part of the yoga sutras of non-harming um, but you can still do yoga and um, not drink green juice and I think if you put too many heavy rules in place that's another barrier of someone going no this isn't for me.
0: Disclaimer: We just ate some hash browns. So, yes you know, we did. Yeah, that yeah. that happens behind the scenes. You just we take a term... picture. We take a picture yeah. of the green juice, and
1: then we eat the hash browns. I actually did that. I actually did that.
0: Um, you just used the term Yoga Sutra. What, yes. What is that?
1: So the Yoga Sutras are 190. I forget 96 um, different ways to conduct yourself, and then the eight limbs of yoga are, um, like, yamas and niyamas, so Sanskrit, um, not very accessible, but it it really is, before you do the asana, which is what your movement um, of your body is, it's kind of cleanliness, cleanliness of mind, non-stealing, non-harming, kind of looking after your own respect of your body, but also the environment and the people around you. So before you even step onto the yoga mat, you've got kind of 10 things that you live by. Mm. And then asana, your yoga practice is number three in the list. And it really does make sense because um what what you were saying before about kind of entry to yoga is if your body is really stiff and you can't even sit cross-legged, which I used to struggle to do, and when you do sit cross-legged, your lower back's painful, your knees are painful, you you know, you've got stiff shoulders you're never going to enter a place of meditation because your body is so stiff. Mm. So yoga comes first, then breathing comes after that, then you have kind of um, one point of attention, so you can start to kind of focus on something, then concentration comes because you can focus for a little bit more Mm. time, then meditation. And so if you are trying to bypass the yoga... And maybe you've been sitting at a desk for the last 10 years and not doing much stretching, then you're not going to be able to sit in a place of comfort without the body responding Mm. with sensitivities. Therefore, you're never going to be able to enter a place of meditation because your body's screaming at you, which definitely used to happen for me. Mm. So, if you follow kind of these eight limbs of yoga, and then you've got kind of the Patanjali Sutras, which um, are of sit alongside that which is more about meditation um you've kind of got this um kind of sequence that you can follow and meditation will just kind of happen to you but i think lots of people kind of think oh i must meditate mm. before they've actually got rid of all the tension and the toxins in the body
0: i was having a conversation the other day about self-care versus collective care and what I what I found really interesting about it, so I'd i just come up I don't know if you've ever done any coaching but coaches use something called the wheel of life where you kind of draw a circle and yes. you you split it up into different areas of your life
1: family and money yeah
0: that yeah yeah like the two, two big ones for you family money <laughs> you know whatever's important for you and you rate them out of 10 and I was like oh I feel like for me I'm in a constant battle between training and sleep. And I was like, huh, these are both things that are really important to me. I, I feel like I want to track the different things I'm doing to look after myself. So hence, I called it something like the wheel of self-care or something like that. And when I was talking to my friend Anna about this, she was like, oh, have you heard of collective care? And it's, I suppose, just the idea that some of, some of the self-care focus puts the emphasis on the individual which can be a bit judgmental, um, and it almost reminds me of the positive psychology movement, which um, uh, Hart described as tyranny of positivity, because it's kind of like, well, if if you're in a bad mood, you can't access it. And you made me think of this when you were talking about the the kind of different sequence that you go through, because it made me think, huh, a lot of this benefit could come with having the same teacher for a while, And they can kind of help guide you through the sequence so you can access different aspects of yoga when you're ready. And that resonates with me because, you know, when I first came to it, it was physical and I was getting this kind of psychological um, benefit in terms of feeling quite centred afterwards. And I feel like I've gently uh, been guided or been more open to other aspects of it. And the reason that makes me think of collective care is that there's someone else involved helping to kind of support you through this journey. Um, and it also it also kind of makes me think of the fussiness that I've had with yoga teachers. So I've only, I've practiced with quite a few, but actually only really been with two for a longer period of time. And when I'm listening to you and the way that you talk about yoga, I feel like maybe that's something that's quite easy as a takeaway for people is spending time to find the right teacher. And then if it's possible, trying to give it a bit of a, a long runway. Yeah. Um, it, so I had a, I had a question. It's kind of based on the miracle question, which we use in solution focused brief therapy, which is like, if you could, if you woke up one morning and, a miracle had happened like what would it be what would the it be like and it's kind of a really nice way of getting people to think about their ideal life and then the steps they can take to move towards that so as a yoga teacher if you could click your fingers and bring in some really simple things into everybody's lives what would it be?
1: I think just doing for them rather than for me as a teacher I think um everyone just understanding that 10 minutes of yoga a day can help. So even if that's kind of one yoga pose that you do at three different points of the day, it's not 10 minutes in one go. I just think, just stick by it. Going back on what you were saying, I think it's really, really important that you have one yoga teacher. Because if you think about, um, you know, I trust my yoga teachers with my body and therefore some days they push me beyond what my mind thinks I'm capable of doing. Um, they overcome fear. I've had panic attacks, anxiety, all in yoga poses. And if you're going to a different teacher, you know, three or four times a week, and I know it's difficult because of timetables and work, maybe you can't go and see the same teacher. But I trust my teachers when I say, I can't feel my legs in this pose, they will say, stay there longer. Or they say, today, come out of the pose. And if a teacher doesn't know you, and we all have baggage, you know, we all have stuff that's happened to our bodies, um, that's what life is about. If our teachers don't know our history, they don't know actually stay here for longer. Um, You know, we we can't kind of build up that trust in order to progress our yoga practice and have trust in our teachers. Um, And they know when to push us, when we're being sluggish, Mm. when we're actually exhausted and we need to just be left alone. Um, And I think that's what we miss. We we go to different classes and we do a sequence, but we don't know whether the yoga teacher knows that that's right for us or not. Whereas my yoga teachers might be teaching a class and go, actually, Kelly, this isn't the pose for you today. I go off into a corner and I do my own thing because they know that that's best for me. Um, and so there's no point that I've been like oh I can't go to class today because I'm nervous about being pushed too much or um, you know having a headache or whatever I just know that the teachers will give me the right thing
0: I think there are two really cool points there, first about trust and it you know it takes time to build that up obviously and the other about intimacy but like with trust I think that it can have such a compounding effect because once you trust someone enough to allow them to push you or to or to hold you back, you know, I can do this, I can do this pose, I can do this activity, and they're like, not today. To know that that's coming from a, a place of, of care, it means that you're going to see and feel the progress in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. And I hadn't ever really thought about classes versus a practice or, or, you know, whatever, like that before because I suppose it's true it's like best fit versus uh, not best fit one size fits all versus bespoke right yeah. it, you're gonna you're gonna feel the difference immediately and the other is intimacy and it it reminded me of uh, one of the first times we did yoga together and you asked permission to touch me to do a correction yeah and I was really struck by that because I'd only had one yoga teacher for years before that so we kind of got way past that point you know but it is such an intimate uh act and process and and i suppose i hadn't up until that point i hadn't really considered what it would be like coming to a class for the first time and doing all these strange positions and then having someone you don't know like shove you around you know
1: yeah i mean for me to do a good adjustment in certain poses i literally have to you know someone's lying on their back i have to stand over them you know and so it 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 can be really daunting and especially if people have their own trauma in their bodies and then suddenly someone else you know I think the biggest organ and sensitivity is our skin so that touch is a really intimate thing and can conjure up things so yeah especially because I teach in corporates and you know, you're sat at your desk having no contact with mm-hmm. people and then suddenly you're downstairs and the yoga teacher is, like, <laughs> moving you about. I, I do, I think, um, yeah. And, and number one is care of, sh- of student, and that's what it's always got to come down to. And that's why, you know, once you go down with your knowledge so much um, as a yoga teacher, I couldn't continue just to teach a set sequence mm. um, because I... I need to respond to what that class is doing. Yeah. And also, um, what, what you were talking about um, in terms of kind of the teacher and the class, I still go to classes. It's still kind of my teacher in a class space, so it's not like I'm getting a one-to-one. It's yeah. just the offering can be more bespoke in an Iyengar class than maybe a flow class because you've got different props. One person can have... Two props. One person can have one. If you're menstruating, you're doing another sequence. So you can kind of offer different levels depending on what the body's responding to, which is what's really exciting because you're kind of learning and looking and adapting with every class that you teach.
0: Mm. Yeah, I suppose that trying to kind of distill this down into takeaways that is is kind of making me think around. Once you have put it, once you put in the effort to find your teacher and you're giving it, you know, you're giving it a a shot, there's something there around um, just acknowledging the difference you're going to have between classes with that teacher versus classes with ClassPass. That's kind of what I was imagining was like, you know, that, that like, you know, buffet style, today I'm going to go here, today I'm in this part of London so I'm going to go here. And like, that's really convenient and great, but I suppose it's only going to give you a certain... Certain up up to a certain threshold of of benefit.
1: Yeah, which is also amazing that you do have mm. class bars and that you do have all of these yoga classes that are accessible to us. So it is a bit like you can be on the app and you're like, oh, someone's told me about yoga, or well, my friend started doing yoga. Let me just go and see. So I'm I'm not going against the availability of yoga and how fantastic it is that mm. so people are just moving. Like I just think getting yourself moving, getting yourself connected. One of the things about the miracle morning, the miracle day that you were just talking about, yeah. I didn't really answer properly. I think if people have more compassion for each other and you you do see snippets of it in London, but I think um, imagine if everyone was like kind to each other on the tube or kind of smiled a little bit more. I think if everyone woke up a little bit more positive and were willing to give a little bit more each day I think we could all be working at a higher level of consciousness which would be nice
0: I love it so you're going to click your fingers and two effects will occur yeah everyone will understand 10 minutes of yoga is enough and everyone will be more compassionate yeah because,
1: <laughs> I'll tell you why because 10 minutes of yoga will make you go oh now I've know a couple of yoga poses that I can do for myself at home once you've done three or four they're under your belt And you can learn another couple. And then before you know it, an hour of practice is happening at the weekends for you by yourself. You just roll out of bed and your 10 minutes kind of multiplies as that feeling of yoga. You know, I don't know anyone who's kind of done a yoga class and gone, oh, I don't feel better now. Mm. It's always the answer. And I think, you know, as long as yoga will always be the right thing to do, people will want more and more. So that ten minutes will multiply, but we've got to start somewhere. So I think three poses yeah. is definitely the way forward.
0: Love that. I feel like we've had had a good good chunk of time. Have you got any last uh, last thoughts or, or feelings for people that are listening?
1: I think
0: apart, apart from come to club yoga.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> club yoga ruining all yoga. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> So many people have done club yoga and gone, I'm going to start doing yoga, or you've changed my mind about yoga, or I haven't done yoga for such a long time, I'm going to start practising again. Mm-hmm. And that is the point, and that's what I was just about to say, is people, get on your class passes, get on your mind-body app, and just go and try all styles of yoga. Um, and then maybe in a few years' time you'll find ienga and actually enjoy the practice because i know it's a really hard <laughs> class to start on because the teachers can be a bit stricter and a bit more disciplined but that's what our
0: minds need yeah and you're like where where are my instagram Instagramable <laughs> poses
1: <laughs> yeah standing in uh, a <laughs> for 10 minutes isn't going to give you that brilliant picture
0: <laughs> i suppose so my kind of uh wrap-up thought is around the fact that i came to you are so far with, with the intention to have a chat about yoga and actually in the process of the conversation i've realized how broad it is you know in terms of what we're actually talking about here um there are so many different elements to it if someone wanted to understand a bit more about yoga this broad term what what are some starting places maybe blogs or books that you could recommend
1: So I think um, Iyengar has a book called The Tree of Yoga, which really brings into how it works within the family, Within it, it goes into the eight limbs of yoga, really simplistic, and just about health and why we do yoga. So that's just a nice book to get people started. I think like a six weeks beginner's class is a really nice way just to kind of understand and to understand the shape and feel good afterwards, yeah. and then you know that everyone's in the same boat, nobody has a clue what's going on, which is how we all come to our yoga classes anyway, but when you're a real beginner, you don't realise that none of us know what we're doing, and we all feel out of our depth, and I think then you can kind of really get an understanding what's warrior one, what's warrior two, um, and just to understand it, it's about health of our mind and our body. and we, you know, for me, I say to my students, I'm just holding a space for you so that we can be in our 90s doing headstands mm. with healthy organs and healthy joints. And kind of, my dad always said, live, try and get through this life with as little scars as possible. And that's mental scars and physical st- scars. And I think that's what yoga has helped me to protect
0: both my mind and my body. I think that's a powerful and, and lovely place to end.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely
0: chat. I'm so disappointed. We were really worried about Kelly's dog running around and making noises, and actually, there's been no no sheep interaction at all. So maybe next time for that. Boom. So I suppose that was a slight disappointment to not have any sheep interaction, but luckily for me and all of you lot, we had some great Kelly interaction, and I think. Looking back or listening back to that episode, I really am motivated to talk to some other yoga teachers and to explore their journeys into yoga. And also to kind of think a bit about the industry in itself, because I feel like Kelly raised some points which were quite interesting around representation and about the use of yoga and what it can mean for different people. And so accepting and acknowledging the fact that people are gonna have different interpretations of that based upon their own journey into yoga and background experiences, I think it could be cool to kind of branch that out a little bit. So if you've got any thoughts about who it would be interesting to talk to, um holler at me. Uh definitely check out Kelly's work at Kelly Brooks Yoga. Um, that's Instagram that's her website Um, she has got a YouTube channel as well so check that out and for the sizzle uh, make sure you subscribe make sure you share and make sure you get in touch with any thoughts or contributions to the discussion because that is really how we're gonna take this to an interesting place all right peace CISO.